Hey, it's Will Actually, and yeah, of course I have a podcast. Welcome to All the King's Voices, where I interview your favorite drag kings about performance, identity, and what it means to be a king. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe, and if you're not, head over to YouTube and do that so you can actually see your favorite performers uh, on the screen. But if you uh, just want to listen to the podcast, you can find us on whatever podcast channel you are using, whatever podcast app. Just make sure that you go over and rate and review us so that other people can find the podcast. So today's guest is ZZ Tops, and ZZ Tops is a gender-bending drag king hailing from Madison, Wisconsin. They've performed all over the state of Wisconsin and the Midwest. They're a rock and roll stripper who strives to create theatrical performances with enthralling looks. I would say they do more than strive. I think they totally succeed, but that's just me. Uh, they use their masters in fine arts to create costumes and stylized makeup. They're the reigning Mr. Five Nightclub, a bar title in Madison, Wisconsin, who uses their platform to create space for new kings and AFAB performers in the drag community. I'll also say that I consider ZZ a friend and find them absolutely fucking amazing. So let's go meet them. Yeah, hi, uh, my name's ZZ Tops. I am known as the bulge that goes bump in the night. Uh, <laughs> my wife gave me that tagline, it's the best tagline. It's so um, I am a drag king from Madison, Wisconsin. Yes, an amazing drag king from Madison, Wisconsin. You're like the drag king. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so uh, I guess that's kind of where uh, I want to start, if that's cool with you. So how did you find kinging and like, what was the king scene like here and for disclosure, I'm also in Madison, Wisconsin, although I'm not from here. So, yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've been doing femme burlesque for, like, two years. Um, and I never, like, totally vibed with it, but I just kept doing it. Because I was like, yeah, this is the thing people are doing. My wife's a burlesque performer, producer, Mercury Stardust. And so I was kind of like, yeah, this is what I should be doing. And um, we had been having conversations about gender and I was just kind of like, hey, I want to try drag. I just want to try it. And I got in drag, and we went out on the town, and I was like, yeah, okay. Now what What do I do with this? Um, <laughs> that and is the question. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, this feels cool. What do I do? And so there's, a like, an open competition here called Category is on Tuesday nights. So you pick two songs. I picked two songs. Um, I did two acts, and one of them was – to Horns by Bryce Fox, which I still do. It's like an act that I take all over the place. And uh, I won that week. Um, and then I got to move on to the finals for the month. And then I won the finals and I got booked in a show. And then it just from there, it kind of snowballed from zero to 60 really fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As far as the King Sing here, um, I hadn't seen too many drag kings. Um, if there have been drag kings in the past. There was a drag king troupe here for a while. There's a troupe in Milwaukee, but not in Madison. Um, and there weren't a lot of active kings at the time. Mm -hmm. And no one, even the kings that were here, were not really getting booked very often. Um, and I wasn't seeing the kind of drag I liked, which is really like crazy and over the top and rock and roll. And so I. I couldn't tell. Oh, well, yeah, if you can't tell <laughs> my outfit at all. Um, 
So I kind of turned to like YouTube. I watched that like one hour and a half long Damien Deluxe makeup tutorial where he's just like backstage um, and kind of like was consuming as much online media as I could to kind of develop myself. And it just kind of took off here. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. So yeah. So when you when you kind of like turn to the online, like what what were you looking for? Like what were you looking to see? Um, I was looking to see. Like I liked to watch interviews of kings having a conversation. There was like one king panel at DragCon that had like Landon Sider and and other kings on it that were that had been doing this a long time, and I I listened to what they had to say and try to like take away from that. Um. And I was looking for like I had no I'd never contoured my face before, I never done like anything, so any sort of information. I found Instagram was great for like inspiration because everyone's posting crazy looks all the time and mm-hmm. I just started following a bunch of drag kings and just consuming as much information as I could. And mm-hmm. I found uh drag king history, which I know <laughs> talked about on the show before, um and and that was a wonderful resource as well. Yeah. So, so then you, you look around Madison and Madison has a really big drag scene from what I've experienced at least. And not like big in terms of like, you know, there's a million performers, but it seems to be like a fairly comprehensive scene, pretty established, but drag being like queen. Right. Um, right. So kind of when you're looking around, like, are you, are you thinking to yourself, like, I would like to help create more Kings here or like, I want to find a space for myself. Like what was kind of the, the next thing after you started contouring basically? <laughs> um, yeah. So what happened was I started performing and then a bunch of other like AFAB performers who were already in the scene, who were in the burlesque community were like, Hey, I want to do this too. This is really cool. I like what you're doing. Um, and so I actually sat down with like a handful of performers, um, drag names being like Daddy Don't Give a Damn, Cash Johnson, Matt Carter, and we were all pre- decided to grow together um, and try kinging. And so they all debuted kind of at different times, um, but we just were kind of like a collective and helped each other and figured out how to get bookings and, and what to do um as far as our style of drag what we wanted to do here um and yeah <laughs> and, and, and thus became the house of tops <laughs> thus became yeah we're called the house of tops because technically i started first um but mo- we, we're not like a traditional drag house in that there's a hierarchy because that's kind of, i've been doing drag maybe like four months longer than daddy <laughs> so like <laughs> It's it's just a collective of performers who were performing in other avenues and decided to try kinging and, you know, kind of latched on to being drag kings. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So so you were performing in all other avenues. You've mentioned burlesque. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of like where you came from performance wise and then how you're using it in drag now? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I was sort of a theater kid growing up. I did a lot of musicals, um, but never ha- I was always like a background character. <laughs> um, I'm 5'8", and I played a munchkin in The Wizard of Oz, which I still think is hilarious. <laughs> um, 
but um, that kind of dwindled off because, you know, I'm a very sort of independent artsy person. So working like with groups of people for someone else's ideal is not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to art school for seven years. I have a bachelor's and a master's in fine arts, um, specifically in jewelry and metalsmithing, but I did a lot of costuming and like weird contemporary video art. Um, yeah and then I started um a lot of my performing actually ties into sex work so I started doing fetish shows when I turned 21 like a week after I turned 21 I was like get me in this Um, and I did that for a while um back when I was living in Ohio I moved back to Madison and I found like pole. I used to do Lyra. I'm kind of taking a break from the aerial training. Um, but I focused on pole and I was an exotic dancer for three years. And so a lot of that kind of just shaped my drag and moved into my drag. My drag's very sexual. I definitely throw on pleasers like half the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I've kind of drawn from those experiences into my performances now. Yeah, so that's it's super interesting. Um, just because you know, talking to different kings, everyone's has a different kind of like definition of what makes a king or what a king looks like or what masculinity is or how you perform it. Um, and especially coming from like aerial and exotic dance and fetish and burlesque as well, right? Like you're drawing on uh, a bunch of different art forms that often get interpreted in a very specific feminine way. Right. Yeah. Um, And so for some kings, that means like kind of like eschewing all of that and being like, nope, don't want it. Got to be like, can't move, you know, no hips. I'm a king. (laughs) Right. And for other kings, it means like, no, I take that, but somehow I make it masculine. So like, I'm I'm curious because I mean, I've seen you perform, but our audience may not have. So like, what does that look like? How do you make this king performance versus anything else that you've done yeah um and I've actually found that like my king performances are the most like naturally me um I have a lot of pent-up rage and like (laughs) sexual aggression so a lot of my performances are like hard fast music um really aggressive like arms and body movements but then also bringing in like okay, but also I'm going to twerk and, like, heel clack on the floor. And so it's, like, a combination of, like, masculine aggressive movements Mm -hmm. and really sensual feminine movements. Um, Oh, I've – my favorite comments are when people are, like, I'm sexually confused. I'm, like, great. Yeah, you did my job. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, but I also go kind of, like, I do a lot of cosplay in drag, um, which I take as, like, if there was like a fetish fan fiction about this character, what would they be doing? Um, <laughs> and and uh, just kind of experiment with with different aesthetics too, and blood blood. Oh, lost you for a second. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Yeah. So sorry. So yeah. you were like blending. I think was where you left off. Yeah, um, blending, like, physical movements that are deemed masculine or feminine and uh, aesthetics. So, like, 
a suit but with pleasers or like a corset and a jacket or you know like combining things and I don't really think about it it's not like I'm going this is feminine and this is masculine and right, put right, them together right. there are things that I naturally enjoy that happen to fall on like different sides of the spectrum so what what is a drag king to you oh <laughs> easy question this is the easy the question easy question <laughs> um <laughs> i question for me is like being somewhere masculine of center Okay. So whatever that means. Um, but like you could be a millimeter away from the center mm -hmm. and still be a drag king, or you can be like super far away male impersonator level. Um, I kind of align somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, it's been really important to like embrace the masculinity and the masculine traits that I already have um, and just kind of amplify those. Gotcha. And kind of take back some of that power over my own gender identity. <laughs> yeah. So how, how does your own gender identity, like, play into your drag? It's kind of crazy. Because um, I was living, like, a normal cis woman life. And um, my partner is trans. And we had been having all these conversations about gender, I think I mentioned earlier. But... Um, I literally performed once as a king and went, oh, shit, I'm not a woman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure this out. And um, I use just the umbrella term non-binary to describe myself. Um, I feel like it's the most fitting just because it is a broad term. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel particularly like anything gender-wise. Um, and I it made me realize I never have, like I never felt comfortable in women only spaces and I never felt, but I never felt like a trans man and I'm somewhere in this like weird gray space. And I think that really comes out in my drag, but it also like my drag helped me discover that about myself. So they're really totally. fine with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like what was that moment when you're like, Oh shit. Like what, how did, <laughs> was yeah. it like a mirror moment or was it just like, it was totally, like, performing for the first time in drag. Because, mm -hmm. um, like, I had done, you know, I got dressed up once or twice, and I was like, okay, this is, like, fun and whatever. And I performed, and I went, I'm not nervous. I feel totally comfortable. Mm -hmm. These movements are natural. This is, like, a normal place for me to be. Oh, shit. Why is this normal? <laughs> and my brain kind of imploded. Um <laughs> You know, and I just kind of, like, softly came out. I was just like, hey, guys, if you could maybe use they, them pronouns, that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of shifted into being sort of a big proponent for, for non-binary and, and gender non-conforming people here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can you talk a little bit about how your title, too, has helped with that? Um, you mentioned uh, being – it's Mr. Five, right? Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because people may not know the – significance sure um yeah so five night club is like my home bar here in madison you know you've also been there it's such a good bar uh, love five um and the five pageant is a bar pageant um as part of like a state system but it's also like a really respected bar pageant in wisconsin it's 
kind of like prestigious bar title for a dive bar. And um, I, I ran just because a bunch of people were like, hey, you should run. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and um, I ended up uh, winning the title and I'm the first AFAB person to win a title in 20 years. Um, and this is even though like, so the way five works is some pageants have like gender requirements and five doesn't right. for like any of their categories, right? Which is awesome. But somehow in, in you know, the whole system of things that's never happened before. Um, and so I'm the first king and the first AFAB person and the first non-binary person to hold a title there. Um, it's crazy <laughs> when, you, when you, like, say that out loud. Um, and I won that title, like, six months into drag. And crazy, yeah. crazy. <laughs> um, but it's also given me a lot of, like, visibility in town. I've had a lot of booking opportunities and big opportunities to showcase, like, gender nonconformity and drag kings. And we've seen, like a huge uptick in AFAB performers here, whether it be queens or kings or or people in between. Um, um, and I think that representation um, of someone you can look up to would be like, hey, this is an attainable goal, because it felt like it wasn't an attainable goal when I ran. You know, it was me, um, a, a lovely trans man by the name of Trigger, who's from Minnesota, and then, like, five cis men running for this title. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the visibility is really important because I think if you have, like, visible representation of, like, someone like you, even if they're not exactly like you, you know those goals are attainable and you know you can hold, like, a prestigious position within a community. Um, and, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I didn't even have to do much. It just kind of, like, sparked a bunch of performers feeling finally comfortable, like, they, they do belong on the stage, which I think is it's really great. Yeah. I mean, even so, I, I just moved here recently, and I've seen so many kings or people who are, like, AFAB performers who show up, uh, I mean, at least on the five stage. That's where, <laughs> where I tend to perform the most, right? But seeing people backstage who are performing it's just like oh this is just normal right but apparently it's new and that's so freaking cool it's changed like it's gone from like no drag kings to like a ton of drag kings in like a little over a year it's it's kind of amazing yeah. um yeah it's awesome and and so you produced uh two drag king shows last year um, yeah, so I had an all drag king show, mm -hmm. um, which we brought in some some outside performers like my boy Ty Taurus, um, <laughs> such a fun and, show, and a bunch of local kings. And then I've been doing um, some all AFAB shows, so like AFAB queens and drag kings, which you were a part of. Yes. And then we were supposed to have another one. <laughs> wah wah. <sighs> uh, yeah. But. Um, yeah, and so that was to showcase, like, I, I think it's important that there's king representation, but I also want to showcase AFAB queens. Mm -hmm. um, and so having a space with 
only like AFAB bodies was was really amazing because that never happened at five. Um, you know, so and, and and I think having that title gave me that opportunity to do these shows and try to give back to performers in the community. And I always would give like one or two spots to like a new performer I saw at the open stage or whatever so they could get stage time that they weren't getting. Um, Cause it's still hard to get books if you're not a drag queen. So for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to break old patterns, right? Yeah. You know, doesn't mean it's not possible though, which is the important thing. <laughs> it is possible. It's a lot of work, but it's possible. <laughs> so much work. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, that was, that was such a fun, the, uh, all a fab show that I was a part of was, uh, it was the holiday show, right? So December. yeah, it was Christmas because yeah. we because you did like some Hanukkah stuff and we had a Krampus axe and yeah, that was, that was time. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a party. Um, so okay, so when you're you know you're you're in the community now, you're also doing workshops and things about like how to be a drag king. Um, so when you're interacting, especially with newer performers, how do you? kind of explain to them what kinging is or how do you help them get started or you know obviously everyone's gonna you know everyone wants and needs something different from drag but kind of how are you helping to guide people yeah I mean I like to I found that like I've done a couple workshops and I honestly prefer like one-on-one conversations I think over having multiple people um my workshops have mostly been like here's how to contour, here's what a binder is, here's a packer, like here's some practical information, here's some resources, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've met with a bunch of baby kings for like coffee. I'll get a message that's like, hey, I want to start. And I'm like, let's go get coffee. And we usually talk for like two hours or something. Um, I like to hear people's motives. So like why you want to start king? Do you have an idea of what you want to represent on stage? Um, and kind of work through personal ideas rather than like projecting my, cause like, I don't want a bunch of baby me's. <laughs> <laughs> what? You mean you don't want just everyone to do the same thing you do? Come on. No, but I think it's important to kind of like dig into, into people's brains about like why they're doing drag and what they want to get out of drag and how you can help them represent those things, um, through, like aesthetics or through music or through narrative. Um, I think it's really personal to every individual person. So it's kind of hard to have like a blanket statement about like, this is how you should be a drag king. (laughs) Yeah, it really, it's, it's so interesting, especially too. like, you know, like for me, I like could care less about the makeup. I'm like, let me just get on stage and like do a very specific, highly choreographed act. Like that's my thing, right? Yeah. But, we are so different. <laughs> like, literally opposite, right? Yeah. But at the same time, we can be in the same show and, like, for the same audience. And, like, they'll both go, oh, or they'll look at us both and say, oh, that's a drag king. Right. right. Which right. is super fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, have people you look up to but also like figuring out what works best for you and how you can be successful. Yeah, for sure. Unless it's, unless it's lip syncing. You should always be good at lip syncing. (laughs) 
Yes, lip syncing is probably a good skill to learn if you're planning on performing drag. Yeah, it, it just stays. I mean, I feel like you don't like, like your uh, your strongman act is yeah. like no lyrics, right? Right. Um, so you could do like no lip syncing, but I always think that like it's a really good strong skill to have if you're doing drag. Oh, 100%. And I mean, a lot of my acts actually, I, especially the ones with no lyrics are for burlesque, right? Right. Like the idea is not to lip sync because I, I didn't start doing drag to be a drag king per se. It was, I was a burlesque dancer and I like felt like I was clawing out of my own skin performing as a woman. <laughs> so when I had the opportunity and I say as a woman, um, and then, so when I, I came up with this character while I was doing a one woman show, um, and I was like, you know, what'd be really fun is if I didn't act as this, this douchebag. And right. <laughs> so he just became my burlesque male persona, like my boylesque persona. Um, and like, I actually didn't start doing drag until later. Like the idea of like pageants and lip sync and all of that was completely foreign to me because I was a burlesque dancer. Totally different. Oh, totally. <laughs> Uh, and I came from burlesque too, but also I just realized I'm really good at lip syncing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and also like my goal in, I'm not a super narrative performer. So my goal is always to like convey a specific emotion or an unknowable emotion. So like trying to get the audience to feel a certain way. And I think you can do that really well with like, facial expressions and lyrics so it just kind of like naturally made sense oh yeah oh yeah and like I mean as someone who has seen your performances I think you're very good at that especially because you know you have a sense of musicality and a sense of like how to interact with the audience or like make them feel seen too you know where whereas like a lot of my acts are like please don't hand me dollars I have choreography <laughs> I don't have those acts too though I <laughs> because like I think part of why I was performing so much and part of how I got so like well respected so quickly is because I was doing drag shows and burlesque shows. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have acts that like I don't do a drag shows, but I do a burlesque shows because they're fully choreographed and like I can't take dollars. And then I have acts I do drag shows that are a little looser um, <laughs> and still, still partially choreographed because I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. Um, it's good to have some choreography, some idea yeah. of where you're going, you know? Yeah, I'm not that good at improv that I can have nothing held down. Yeah. I, you know, I do shows with queens who are backstage who are like, I haven't decided what song I'm going to do. And I'm like, I've been practicing for three weeks. Oh my God. That makes me so, cra like, I, hats off to anyone who can do that. But like, oh, when some people are, are like, that. I just, that is not a skill I understand. Me. <laughs> Yeah, literally, yeah. like, if my music isn't already on the thumb drive, I'm not coming to the show. That's just what that is. <laughs> if I'm not in face, like, five hours before the start of the show, it's not happening. <laughs> I know. I, it's funny, too, because especially now that I'm doing more drag, right, like, there's the, the apocalypse competition here in Madison that I've been doing where you have to have a new costume every two weeks and a new act, and it is so hard because like for me I'll spend three months rhinestoning a, a you know a, a onesie pajama set to be a giant hot dog and like 
there's very like intention and thought behind it, but it's it's forced me to be a little bit more uh, improvisational and on the spot, which is kind of cool. It's kind of good. And that's actually, I noticed that too when I shifted because I would spend like three months handcrafting like custom costumes that were all hand painted and like whatever when I did burlesque. And now I'm like building multi-piece wardrobes and just like throwing stuff together and um I have like when I did burlesque I did three acts in two years and now I have like acts I've done once but acts I've done multiple times I have like 25 in a year and so like (laughs) just to keep up and I feel like I don't even keep up with with some of the queens and how fast they but it's a different it's a different working process for sure it really is and also just in terms of like opportunities and shows and themes and all of that right like you may not necessarily need to have that level of you know wardrobe and act creations yeah 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 well and I feel like because I've been like traveling to different places more and I feel like you can just like I know this act is good I'm gonna take it there and not worry about doing new stuff on new stages as often. Yeah. I do I do my new stuff at five. Yeah. Feel it. <laughs> and then take it other places. <laughs> yeah. So what has it been like to be a traveling king? What have you experienced and what's different about other scenes that you've been a part of or that you've like interacted with versus here? Yeah. Um, they don't know what drag kings are. Like I'll go to like small towns in Wisconsin and yeah, <laughs> they, and then I'm, like, the first drag king they've seen in a long time or, um, you know, and those situations can sometimes be really good. There's a wonderful show in uh, Dubuque, Iowa I did where I was, like, the first king a bunch of people had seen, but they were really nice. And they were like, you're awesome. And I was like, cool. And then I've done shows in small towns where, like, I get misgendered on the microphone all night and no one's expecting a king to come out and everyone looks at me weird and I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, the shows I've done with other kings have all been great. Um, I think like the only the only thing for me is I'm not traditionally masculine, so I think a lot of times if there's like established king scenes, mm-hmm. there's like more tradition than we have here. Um, because like we're kind of building a new scene from scratch. Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel like I necessarily fit in, but still received well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like different going to different places. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, even just moving from San Francisco to here, like um, it's just, it's so, it's interesting to see like different, different styles and like how people interpret what it means to be a king and like, yeah, how audiences receive it as well, you know? I mean, and it's now when I perform in Madison, it's like, oh, my God, it's easy. But when I started, it was like, what the fuck is happening? Who is this person? Why are they on stage? I don't understand why they have titties and a dick. I'm so confused. And that was (laughs) like, it took a while for people to, like, grasp what I was doing here. That wasn't so binary. Um, And now it's like normal. And I think the burlesque scenes helped a lot with that here sure. in in normalizing like gender nonconforming identities. I would 100% agree with that. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, the burlesque scene here, too, that was one of the things that made me so excited about moving to Madison um, in the very first place. Uh, Mercury basically convinced me <laughs> when I, w I came here to visit schools. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I know that she's done a ton to, like, really make Madison a safe space for that, <laughs> you know, oh, for oh. burlesque, for, for gender nonconforming people to, to feel safe, right? And to build audiences that also create those safe spaces for performers. So I think it's neat that you've been able to kind of translate that out from the burlesque scene into the drag world. And we're starting to see more of that. And we're starting to see a lot more queens too. Like, I really want to shout out the queens who are like, helping create those spaces now as well you know? oh totally there's definitely there's definitely some queens who are like very vocal advocates mm -hmm. um for like our subsect of the community which i think is really wonderful there's queens who aren't but yeah. whatever <laughs> i mean you're gonna get all types right <laughs> uh, you know but um we've really found like a wonderful like family of really supportive people who are trying to like learn and grow and understand gender in more nuanced ways um, and give opportunities to people who weren't getting opportunities before mm -hmm. with the established power structure. So like, it's getting better. It's definitely like a baby, it's not a baby drag scene, but it's a baby like non-conforming scene. Yeah. Alternative scene for sure. Yeah. And it's cool that it's growing, you know? And I, I'm just so sad that like, is closed right now because I feel like I, <sighs> yeah <sighs> no it is like and it's really it, that bar is such a special place for so many people like when I was 16 I don't I forget what day of the week it was but they used to have a 16 and up night when I was in high school because I grew up around here but I went to school in Ohio came back but um I used to go there with all my baby queer friends and none of us really knew we were queer yet but we used to just go to five to like hang out and dance and I got my first vibrator there I won it in a contest while I was underage wonderful I don't think Dave was the owner but um and it's, it's gone through a lot of transitions it's been around for a really long time um but Dave the owner is really wonderful and really accepting um my favorite moment with him is we did a we did like a Freaky Friday show where we swapped drag and I was a pageant drag queen. Um, <laughs> I did the whole thing and I, I felt good about it. It was so surreal. Um, but Dave came up to me and was like, you did great. I want ZZ back. And I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> that was a very like validating experience. It was like, I could do this and do what is expected but people value me for who I am and that place is so special. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually, uh, so when I performed as Lydia, uh, Dave didn't recognize me. I'm still new, so. <laughs> yeah. You know, but he was, he was like, hey, great job. Like, had no, like I posted on Facebook that I was like, hey, I had so much fun being Lydia. And he was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, yep, yeah, nope, I'm Will. That's uh, that's also me. <laughs> also me, just way more makeup than this. <laughs> yeah, no, and he's he's a really wonderfully supportive person, and I, I he has conversations with people, um, trying to actively improve that space and make it a safer space for everybody. Um, which I think is why so many of us love that bar 
like so much. Yeah. Also, there really uh very many other performing venues in town anymore or like drag shows at other venues. Mm-hmm. Even like a year ago, there was like a show at the Art Inn, which doesn't exist anymore. There was an alternative show at the Crucible, which I don't think it's running really anymore. Um, there was Plan B, and then there was Prism, which is the same bar rebranded, um, and then they closed. So, like, a lot of the, even in, like, the year that I started, a lot of the queer spaces and, and shows have kind of shut down. And it makes me a little, it, that's, one, it's great for five, because everyone loves five. Yeah. Um, things who are like, I didn't even think to go anywhere else. You know, when I'm like, reach out to these people at other bars, and they're like, what other bars? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the scene's growing, but we're going to hit, like, a weird capacity thing mm-hmm. that's going to happen till we can start making more spaces. So... Hopefully that'll happen. Yeah, fingers are crossed. And in the meantime, we have Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so much we Facebook. Have the- drag. <laughs> oh my lord, there is so much Facebook drag happening right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It's you a get lot. your fill, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit, speaking of like Facebook, which then logical leap to like Facebook, Instagram, like the actual like makeup part of it. Um, because ZZ is like such a like painted king, like, (laughs) like how do you like conceptualize your looks or like, where do you get this inspiration to look the way that you do versus somebody who's like more like passing male or whatever, or, you know, because you have some very, like, everyone needs to go check out ZZ's Instagram. Some of your looks are like, yeah, it's just great. (laughs) um yeah so when I started I was painting really like trying to be more traditionally masculine my contour was harsh as fuck you can go back and look at those old photos of me and um they're not great but I'm leaving them up so you can see the growth (laughs) but um when I started and I started performing kind of a little bit more on the masculine side and when I started like allowing myself to bring like feminine elements in I started doing different stuff with my face and it took me a while to figure out like my face because I was like referencing other people and I forgot how tiny my head is and I can't shove like 500 things on my face but um I I usually just take like a color palette that I want um and I think of my self as more of like a demon siren creepy entity than like a human man mm-hmm. so <laughs> I kind of exaggerate features that are a little bit different like I always give myself under eye circles and and kind of like make it look like I have bruises or you know um snake skin or something a little bit farther out there but really it's all just play yeah. it's all just like taking all my color theory from like art school freshman year and like putting it on my face. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, my look is how can I get through this so I can go on stage? <laughs> I have no patience for palettes. I'm like, I don't, what is art? I don't know. Give me a mustache. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, that's totally cool too though. I, I think it's fun. Yeah. So, like, for me, it's part of the fun is, like, 
you know, oh, I'm going to contour my face in red. I'm going to contour my whole body in red. And I'm just going to, you know, like transform into something otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Um, I take a lot of inspiration. Like you can see my giant manga bookshelf behind me and like comic books. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd. So like I love fantasy and sci-fi and horror. And I, I kind of draw from those images versus like, real human men because yeah. <laughs> what even is that anyway <laughs> i don't know <laughs> exactly is either but um i i don't want to look up per, like particularly masculine even though i have masculine features i think i would rather look more like an entity i like that <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> a cool that's a cool definition <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when you're thinking about like you know, people are finding drag um, and they're going, okay, I think I'm a king or I want to be a king. I want to learn more about it. I want to like start a scene here or join a scene here or whatever. Like, what do you tell that person who's like, I'm excited. Now what? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I always think that like performing uh, should be like number one. Um, So like, Aesthetics, I think, go along with that. Like, whatever your aesthetic is can enhance your performance. But I think working on, you know, like, either a narrative through performance or conveying a story or, like, um, like what I do, which is just, like, take a song that makes me feel weird and try to make everyone... Practicing, like, at home, practicing at open stages, just, like actually focusing on the performance will get you far and networking because that's a reality of 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 drag in general or performing in general is that you know people you get booked because they know you if you don't know people they're not gonna book you because they don't know you um and you know I I would just go to shows in drag and introduce myself to show producers and I would message um, if there was a show I wanted to be in, I'll just send a video of like an act and be like, Hey, what you're doing is really cool. Can I be a part of it? And, and really like putting yourself out there, but you have to have like a strong performance foundation and then, you know, go from there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a big thing. Cause I think for a lot of people it's like drag means so many different things and for some people it's like I just want to be here for the Instagram likes right like I'm all about the aesthetics right or it's like it's gender affirming and like I just want to feel this way or look this way or be this way and the performance aspect isn't that important but when you're thinking about like and I think it goes back to what you said earlier right like if you're thinking about doing drag on a stage at a drag show you gotta be good at lip sync right like yeah (laughs) yeah You know, you have like, to be able to perform. <laughs> my my trade secret to lip sync is that I do it every single time I'm in my car driving anywhere. Yes. Um, yes. I have, like, multiple playlists for different things. I have, like, established acts and future acts and just songs I like. Even songs I'm never going to do in drag, I practice lip syncing to. And it's just, like, a, it's, like, it's a skill that I think people take for granted. They're like, oh, I can move my mouth. Right. Watermelon, watermelon. Yeah. Can you move your mouth really exaggerated so the audience can read your facial expressions? How do you control 
for like closing your eyes or like, you know, hand movements incorporated. So like, I'm that weirdo where like someone parks next to me, I'm like this <laughs> in my car. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I think if you want to perform, then focus on the performance. If you don't want to perform, that's fine too. Yeah. If you want to get in a drag for fun or get in a drag and take cool pictures, that's also valid. Yeah. Um, I just get a lot of kings who are like, I want to perform more. And I'm like, then you work on your performance. That should be your focus. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Um, so is there anything that we haven't talked about that you're like, yes, we have to cover this as a king, as a mentor, as a performer, especially talking about maybe other crossover performances? I'll leave that open to you. Yeah. Um, not particularly. I always love, um, I think, bringing other skills into drag is always something that I'm a big fan of. I do pole in drag. So fun. Um, which is super fun. I think I linked a video of me doing pole and drag. But, um, you know, there's, like, Ty Torres who plays his saxophone in drag, which is, like, swoon material. The first um, time I saw that, I almost died. I was not prepared. You're never prepared. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, people like you who bring burlesque and chair and acro. Like, I won my Mr. Five talent by doing acro chair. Um, and I think, like... It's really awesome to see people take their natural skills that they've already, like, spent a lot of time working on mm -hmm. and incorporate that into something new. And I think that's what a lot of it is about, like, getting better. It's, like, taking what you already have and, like, adding on to it instead of trying to start from, from like, a, from scratch, yeah. from nothing. Yeah. Totally. Well, and that's what's so great about drag, right, is it's, like, it doesn't just have to be... I'm standing on stage and lip syncing, it can be like, well, in my other life, I play the saxophone, right? Or I know how to pole dance, or I decided to teach myself to throw myself off of a chair because that's just the thing that I wanted to do, right? <laughs> these, are, these are skills I developed outside, and you can say, and then I can do that while lip syncing. <laughs> right. Right. I was lip syncing while pole dancing is one of the hardest things I've, I've done. <laughs> I wanted to like, and I'm a heavy smoker, so I was like ready to pass out after I do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I've met a baby king who was like, well, I play bassoon. I was like, fuck yeah, king playing bassoon. Yeah. It's like, do that weird stuff. If you have a theatrical background, pull from theater. Like, I think it's important to know that everyone has things in their life that can lend themselves to drag. And it's just like pinpointing what those things are and how to incorporate them into your drag. Amen. I love yeah. it. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for <laughs> thanks for sharing your story and your your thoughts and your your experience with us, Easy. I really appreciate it. Of course, it was super fun. Yeah. All I right. Mean... <laughs> it's nice to get to actually see you, even though we don't live that far from each other. I know. Uh, this pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you liked it, why not rate, review, and subscribe wherever you feel like rating, reviewing, and subscribing. If you want to learn more about today's guests, head over to facebook.com slash kingsvoicespod, or check out the comments uh, or the description in the YouTube channel, uh, Kings Voices Pod. Uh, there I'll post all the links to everything you want to know about today's guest, and you can find them from there. 
Uh, if you are interested in becoming a guest yourself, then why not shoot me an email at willxuldrag at gmail.com or shoot me a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash kingsvoicespod. All right, so that's it for today. And remember, keep your toxic masculinity to yourself, but share your drag with the world.